0: Section 44 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part 2, Book the First, Chapter 10 The Flame Which Would Be Seen If Man Were Transparent. What? this woman this extravagant thing this libidinous dreamer a virgin until the opportunity occurred this bit of flesh as yet unfreed this bold creature under a princess's coronet this diana by pride as yet untaken by the first comer just because chance had so wielded this bastard of a low-lived king who had not the intellect to keep his place this duchess by a lucky hit, who, being a fine lady, played the goddess, and who, had she been poor, would have been a prostitute. This lady, more or less, this robber of a proscribed man's goods, this overbearing strumpet. Because one day he, Barcal had not money enough to buy his dinner and to get a lodging, she had had the impudence to seat him in her house at the corner of a table and to put him up in some hole in her intolerable palace where never mind where perhaps in the barn perhaps in the cellar what does it matter a little better than her valets a little worse than her horses she had abused his distress his barclothedros in hastening to do him treacherous good a thing which the rich do in order to humiliate the poor and to tie them like curs led by a string besides what did the service she rendered him cost her a service is worth what it costs she had spare rooms in her house she came to barcliffedro's aid a great thing indeed had she eaten a spoonful the less of turtle soup for it had she deprived herself of anything in the hateful overflowing of her superfluous luxuries no she had added to it a vanity a luxury a good action like a ring on her finger, the relief of a man of wit, the patronization of a clergyman. She could give herself airs, say, I lavish kindness, I fill the mouths of men of letters, I am his benefactress. How lucky the wretch was to find me out, what a patroness of the arts I am. All for having set up a truckle bed in a wretched garret on the roof as for the place in the admiralty barco owed it to josiana by jove a pretty appointment josiana had made barco what he was she had created him be it so yes created nothing less than nothing for in his absurd situation he felt borne down tongue-tied disfigured what did he owe josiana the thanks due from a hunchback to the mother who bore him deformed Behold your privileged ones, your folks overwhelmed with fortune, your parvenus, your favourites of that horrid stepmother fortune. And that man of talent, PHEDRO, was obliged to sit on staircases, to bow to footmen, to climb to the top of the house at night, to be courteous, assiduous, pleasant, respectful, and to have ever on his muzzle a respectful grimace. Was not it enough to make him gnash his teeth with rage? And all the while she was putting pearls round her neck and making amorous poses to her fool, Lord David Dearymore, the hussy. Never let anyone do you a service. They will abuse the advantage it gives them. Never allow yourself to be taken in the act of inanition. They would relieve you. Because he was starving, this woman had found it a sufficient pretext to give him bread. From that moment he was her servant a craving of the stomach and there is a chain for life to be obliged is to be sold the happy the powerful make use of the moment you stretch out your hand to place a penny in it and at the crisis of your weakness make you a slave and a slave of the worst kind the slave of an act of charity a slave forced to love the enslaver what infamy What want of delicacy what an assault on your self-respect then all is over you are sentenced for life to consider this man good that woman beautiful to remain in the back rows to approve to applaud to admire to worship to prostrate yourself to blister your knees by long genuflections to sugar your words when you're gnawing your lips with anger when you're biting down your cries of fury and when you have within you more savage turbulence and more bitter foam than the ocean, it is thus that the rich make prisoners of the poor. This slime of a good action performed towards you bedaubs and bespatters you with mud forever. An alms is irredeemable, gratitude is paralysis. A benefit is a sticky and repugnant adherence which deprives you of free movement. Those odious opulent and spoiled creatures whose pity has thus injured you are well aware of this it is done you are their creature they have bought you and how by a bone taken from their dog and cast to you they have flung that bone at your head you have been stoned as much as benefited it is all one have you gnawed the bone yes or no you have had your place in the dog kennel as well then be thankful Be ever thankful. Adore your masters. Kneel on indefinitely. A benefit implies an understood inferiority accepted by you. It means that you feel them to be gods, and yourself a poor devil. Your diminution augments them. Your bent form makes theirs more upright. In the tones of their voices there is an impertinent inflection. Their family matters, their marriages, their baptisms, their childbearings, their progeny, all concern you a wolf-cub is born to them well you have to compose a sonnet you are a poet because you are low isn't it enough to make the stars fall a little more and they would make you wear their old shoes who have you got there my dear how ugly he is who is that man i do not know a sort of scholar whom i feed thus converse the idiots without even lowering their voice You hear and remain mechanically amiable. If you are ill, your masters will send for the doctor, not their own. Occasionally they may even inquire after you. Being of a different species from you, and at an inaccessible height above you, they are affable. Their height makes them easy. They know that equality is impossible. By force of disdain, they are polite. At table, they give you a little nod. Sometimes they absolutely know how your name is spelt. They only show that they are your protectors by walking unconsciously over all the delicacy and susceptibility you possess. They treat you with good nature. Is all this to be borne? No doubt he was eager to punish Josiana. He must teach her with whom she had to deal. Oh, my rich gentry, because you cannot eat up everything because opulence produces indigestion, seeing that your stomachs are no bigger than ours, because it is, after all, better to distribute the remainder than to throw it away, you exalt, a morsel flung to the poor, into an act of magnificence. Oh, you give us bread, you give us shelter, you give us clothes, you give us employment, and you push audacity, folly, cruelty, stupidity, and absurdity to the pitch of believing that we are grateful. The bread is the bread of servitude. THE SHELTER IS A FOOTMAN'S BEDROOM, THE CLOTHES ARE A LIVERY, THE EMPLOYMENT IS RIDICULOUS, PAID FOR IT IS TRUE, BUT BRUTALIZING. Oh, YOU BELIEVE IN THE RIGHT TO HUMILIATE US WITH LODGING AND NOURISHMENT, AND YOU IMAGINE THAT WE ARE YOUR DEBTORS, AND YOU COUNT ON OUR GRATITUDE. VERY WELL. WE WILL EAT UP YOUR SUBSTANCE, WE WILL DEVOUR YOU ALIVE AND GNAW YOUR HEART-STRINGS WITH OUR TEETH. THIS JOSIANA, WAS IT NOT ABSURD? what merit had she she had accomplished the wonderful work of coming into the world as the testimony of the folly of her father and the shame of her mother she had done us the favour to exist and for her kindness in becoming a public scandal they paid her millions she had estates and castles warrens parks lakes forests and i know not what besides and with all that she was making a fool of herself and verses were addressed to her and barcalfedro who had studied and labored and taken pains and stuffed his eyes and his brain with great books who had grown mouldy in old works and in science who was full of wit who could command armies who could if he would write tragedies like otway and dryden who was made to be an emperor barcalphedro had been reduced to permit this nobody to prevent him from dying of hunger could the usurpation of the rich the hateful elect of chance go further they put on the semblance of being generous to us of protecting us and of smiling on us and we would drink their blood and lick our lips after it that this low woman of the court should have the odious power of being a benefactress and that a man so superior should be condemned to pick up such bribes falling from such a hand what a frightful iniquity and what social system is this which has for its base disproportion and injustice would it not be best to take it by the four corners, and to throw pell-mell to the ceiling the damask table-cloth, and the festival, and the orgies, and the tippling and drunkenness, and the guests, and those with their elbows on the table, and those with their paws under it, and the insolent who give, and the idiots who accept, and to spit it all back again in the face of providence, and fling all the earth to the heavens? In the meantime, let us stick our claws into Josiana. Thus dreamed Barcol Such were the ragings of his soul. It is the habit of the envious man to absolve himself, amalgamating with his personal grievance the public wrongs. All the wild forms and hateful passions went and came in the intellect of this ferocious being. At the corners of old maps of the world of the fifteenth century are great vague spaces, without shape or name, on which are written these three words— pic sunt leones such a dark corner is there also in man passions grow and growl somewhere within us and we may say of an obscure portion of our souls there are lions here is this the scaffolding of wild reasoning absolutely absurd does it lack a certain justice we must confess it does not it is fearful to think that judgment within us is not justice judgment is relative Justice is absolute. Think of the difference between a judge and a just man. Wicked men lead conscience astray with authority. There are gymnastics of untruth. A sophist is a forger, and this forger sometimes brutalizes good sense. A certain logic, very supple, very implacable, and very agile, is at the service of evil, and excels in stabbing truth in the dark. These are blows struck by the devil at Providence. The worst of it was that Barcl had a presentiment. He was undertaking a heavy task, and he was afraid that, after all, the evil achieved might not be proportionate to the work. To be corrosive as he was, to have within himself a will of steel, a hate of diamond, a burning curiosity for the catastrophe and to burn nothing to decapitate nothing to exterminate nothing to be what he was a force of devastation a voracious animosity a devourer of the happiness of others to have been created for there is a creator whether god or devil to have been created barclephedro all over and to inflict perhaps after all but a Philip of the finger could this be possible could it be that barclephedro should miss his aim to be a lever powerful enough to heave great masses of rock and when sprung to the utmost power to succeed only in giving an affected woman a bump in the forehead to be a catapult dealing ruin on a pole kitten to accomplish the task of sisyphus to crush an ant to sweat all over with hate and for nothing at all would not this be humiliating when he felt himself a mechanism of hostility capable of reducing the world to powder TO PUT INTO MOVEMENT ALL THE WHEELS WITHIN WHEELS, TO WORK IN THE DARKNESS ALL THE MECHANISM OF A MARLEY MACHINE, AND TO SUCCEED PERHAPS IN PINCHING THE END OF A LITTLE ROSY FINGER. HE WAS TO TURN OVER AND OVER BLOCKS OF MARBLE, PERCHANCE WITH THE RESULT OF RUFFLING A LITTLE THE SMOOTH SURFACE OF THE COURT. PROVIDENCE HAS A WAY OF THUS EXPENDING FORCES GRANDLY. THE MOVEMENT OF A MOUNTAIN OFTEN ONLY DISPLACES A molehill. Besides this, when the court is the dangerous arena, nothing is more dangerous than to aim at your enemy and miss him. In the first place it unmasks you and irritates him. But besides and above all, it displeases the master. Kings do not like the unskillful, let us have no contusions, no ugly gashes. Kill anybody, but give no one a bloody nose. He who kills is clever, he who wounds awkward kings do not like to see their servants lamed they are displeased if you chip a porcelain jar on their chimney-piece or a courtier in their cortage. the court must be kept neat break and replace that does not matter besides all this agrees perfectly with the taste of princes for scandal speak evil do none or if you do let it be in grand style stab do not scratch unless the pin be poisoned This would be an extenuating circumstance, and was, we may remember, the case with Barcofader. Every malicious pygmy is a phial in which is enclosed the dragon of Solomon. The phial is microscopic, the dragon immense, a formidable condensation awaiting the gigantic hour of dilation, and we consoled by the premeditation of explosion. The prisoner is larger than the prison, a latent giant. How wonderful a minnow in which is contained a hydra to be this fearful magical box to contain within him a leviathan is to the dwarf both a torture and a delight nor would anything have caused barcofagel to let go his hold he awaited his time was it to come what mattered that he watched for it self-love is mixed up in the malice of the very wicked man to make holes and gaps in a court fortune higher than your own To undermine it at all risks and perils while encased and concealed yourself is, we repeat, exceedingly interesting. The player at such a game becomes eager even to passion. He throws himself into the work as if he were composing an epic. To be very mean and to attack that which is great is in itself a brilliant action. It is a fine thing to be a flea on a lion. The noble beast feels the bite. And expends his mighty anger against the atom, an encounter with a tiger would weary him less. See how the actors exchange their parts. The lion humiliated feels the sting of the insect, and the flea can say, "I have in my veins the blood of a lion." However, these reflections but half appease the cravings of barclaphadro's pride, consolations palliations at most to vex is one thing to torment would be infinitely better. Barco had a thought which returned to him without ceasing his success might not go beyond just irritating the epidermis of Josiana what could he hope for more he so obscure against her so radiant a scratch is worth but little to him who longs to see the crimson blood of his flayed victim and to hear her cries as she lies before him more than naked without even that garment the skin with such a craving how sad to be powerless, alas, there is nothing perfect; however, he resigned himself, not being able to do better. he only dreamed half his dream to play a treacherous trick is an object after all. What a man is he who revenges himself for a benefit received. Barcalphedro was a giant among such men, usually ingratitude is forgetfulness with this man, patented in wickedness, it was fury. The vulgar ingrate is full of ashes. What was within Barco A furnace. Furnace walled round by hate, silence, and rancor, awaiting Josiana for fuel. Never had a man abhorred a woman to such a point without reason. How terrible! She was his dream, his preoccupation, his ennui, his rage. Perhaps he was a little in love with her, End of section forty four. Recording by Ecological Humanist, ecological humanist dot wordpress dot com.